0: This is Friends and Benefits, a podcast hosted by Reward Strategy, and you may have guessed it, they're Friends and Benefits. Stay tuned to find out what's hot, what's not, and what's happening in the world of pay and reward.
1: Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us on the latest episode of the Friends in Benefits podcast with myself, Jade Burke, Deputy Editor of Reward Strategy. Today we have Lucille Kumar, Head of Diversity and Inclusion at ITN appearing, and I'm sure many of our listeners are familiar with ITN, which owns the likes of ITV News, Channel 4 News and 5 News. And today Lucille is going to share her thoughts on all things diversity and inclusion, or d for sure, as we all know it. So it's my absolute pleasure to welcome you today. How are you, Lucille?
0: I'm really great. Great to be with you, Jade, today.
1: Fantastic. Yeah, no, it's lovely to have you on the next episode. So something I wanted to kick off with Lucille is just to find out what drew you to this area of the people function in terms of of i
0: So it's really, I mean, it's I would say it's really interesting. It's really interesting to me at least. Uh, but really, my, my personal background, you know, growing up in the French countryside and being one of um, one of two mixed race families there, I was always really interested by by people by their stories. Having a background in my family of storytelling. I think there's there is so much to learn about about humans, about people. And I moved to London 10 years ago to do a master's in human rights law. And that's really how I moved into the people, the people function, you know, this idea of equality, equity, social justice and how I can have an impact through my work in um, people's experience in the workplace, but also outside of the workplace.
1: Absolutely. So do you would you say then I guess your personal sort of circumstances and your background, is that sort of what I guess paved the way for you into DNI?
0: Yeah, I what I love about DNI is the opportunity to learn every day something new and every day to be challenged in my assumptions. There isn't one part of the business, um, anyone at ITN, that I don't work with at one point or another. And that has been the case throughout my career. And that's something that I really enjoy is the fact that we still feel like, uh, to some extent, we're still scratching the surface when we talk about diversity and inclusion um, and even more so when we start talking about belonging and equity and there's the this is a DNI user journey and we have to make sure to to take everyone on that journey with us. People will be motivated uh, by different things and, and that's what I found really interesting is uh, finding out what makes people tick and ultimately how to make the workplace a better place to be for people, how to level up the playing field, how to provide opportunities to the best talent and make sure that once we've got the best talent within ITN, make sure that their experience is the best that can be of course
1: yeah and, and like you mentioned there there's quite a lot of areas within dni isn't there so is there a particular one that really interests you or or you're drawn to
0: i think again what is is really fascinating about um dni is the intersectionality of it so it's the fact that all of us are more than just one predicted characteristic or one um, one difference. And it's the value that different brings to everyday conversation being diversity of thought, a variety of ability, sexual orientation, ethnicity, the social background as well. And I think there's so much to learn and um, so much to implement when we, you're looking at um, creating organizational change. So I, I really love being and, and taking an organization that change journey and people, of course, on that change journey with me.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And your career has spanned many D&I roles in that time. And I think you've worked in sectors such as law and real estate. So does D&I, is it differently tackled in each of those sectors? Or is it primarily the same?
0: I think every industry has its own challenges. And the journey that every organisation will take will be will be quite different. However, I think that people's expectation when they when they join um, an organization, they want to know that they belong. They want psychological safety. They want equal opportunities. I think people uh, really want to know that there, there is a place for them, that their talent will be recognized and appreciated. So the destination is is often the same, but what's different is the roadmap to to get there, based on the current. Situation the current challenges and um, and and that's what I do it's um, creating a roadmap for uh, for organization to help them create a more um, equitable um, and fair workplace where yep. where people are, are happier you know because it's has been well documented that the happier people are the more productive they are the more creative, the, the better they are at problem solving. And that's what um, diversity of, of thought, diversity of backgrounds really brings. Gosh, yeah, absolutely.
1: We actually covered something this morning on reward strategy in terms of a news release that shared, I think it was that the factors that employees like look to that builds a company that makes it a great place to work and one of them was happy employees so it's really really important to to nurture that and build it
0: yeah and and especially right now we've been talking a lot or there has been a lot of talk about the great resignation and uh, and I quite like to reframe it into the great attraction so how can we um, rethink our employee value proposition to to make sure that we not only retain the employees but, but attract people who might be looking at the next stage of their career or just looking at organizations that would be more suitable to more aligned to their values and um, how they want to live their lives especially after the the past three years of, of covid and uncertainty and i think being able to to use this an advantage to review what we can offer to the employees is a, is a really great um, asset
1: yeah absolutely and i'd really like what you said there in terms of the great attraction rather than great resignation it's a nice way spinning it into a bit more of a positive isn't it?
0: Yeah, so a bit more of a positive and a bit more um action action oriented, a bit more um resource focused as opposed to something that we're reacting to. How can we be proactive into into preventing into preventing um, people leaving and taking advantage of um, people who are leaving or, or the other workplaces and and have their join our own organization.
1: Yeah, most definitely and it's certainly something that everyone is struggling with right now. So it's got to be you know tackled and, and and looked at in different ways to I guess improve the situation
0: yeah and um, ultimately I don't, I don't think generally what people want is is very complicated I think it's a lot about work-life balance it is about being valued feeling respected feeling heard and having opportunities for growth and um, opportunity to learn and um, and I think when you when you get that uh, that's but you know, of course, people will have different motivations, and generational there will be generational differences as well. But I think you know that idea of respect and work-life balance is is increasingly important and being valued and feeling valued and respected. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And at ITN, how is the DNI team sort of built? What you know, who makes it up? Who who's in that?
0: So I like to think that it's everyone's responsibility to drive diversity and inclusion at ITN. So although I'm the only person with um, with a diversity and inclusion job title. Um, The the amazing thing at ITN is that that I really feel supported. It's it's something that is really embedded in the business we've got. Our employee networks have sponsors from the senior leadership team. We've got um, the HR team, of course, who plays um, a very important role in driving that strategy. And we've got also viewers' feedback forums as well, um, which I think is quite interesting. So our newsrooms work or, or welcome or get feedback from some viewers on the diversity of the programmes, you know, did their, did their communities, how were the communities presented on screen. And I think that's um, that's really amazing to see how it's not just um, the culture that we have internally, but how this reflects in terms of, of our output, in terms of our outreach and and i think that's what makes me really happy about my role is um is to know that um i'm never alone and i can ask and get support um and help whenever whenever i need it
1: yeah i can imagine and i guess you need like you say you want everyone in the business to sort of champion this to make that change so it's vital
0: yeah i really believe that everyone has a role to play um regardless of seniority regardless of background there's always um something that um one can do and and that's what I've always found is that um people are really willing to help um you just have to make it as easy for them to know to know what to do and and sometimes it's just sharing your story, sometimes it's just mentoring someone, so it doesn't have to be too time consuming or scary, yeah, no
1: absolutely that makes perfect sense. And I'm sure something all our listeners will probably be very interested in is how your days vary. Are they quite the same? Well, I would imagine that no two days are actually the same, but how, how does that sort of construct itself for you?
0: Yeah, that's right. And and again, that's what I love about about my role is as you said, no two days the same. So one morning it can be um building the, the strategy for um for for ATN. So right now I'm working on a social mobility strategy. I might be looking at data, I might be doing some coaching, Uh, I might be delivering or designing unconscious bias training, Um, I might be, you know, looking at bathrooms and facilities to make sure that they're accessible. Um, I might be designing um, a programme such as a talent programme, working with schools, working um, on pitches for clients. So there's there's quite a lot to, to juggle, you know, um, writing thought leadership pieces, and and I think you know that always keeps me on keeps me on my toes. Um, so when you're working DNA, you have to be very adaptable and uh, be ready to embrace change.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And to be uh, to be honest with you, Lucille, so many people I interview on the podcast, so many say you have to be kept on your toes. So. I think that crosses over in all these sorts of roles within the people function. You're you're always so busy and and trying new things and wearing different hats. So, I think uh, it's it's quite a exciting place to be. I'm sure.
0: Yeah, I when I when I found out about the growth growth versus fixed mindset, it really opened my eyes. And and I think when you're working in DNA, you when you're working in the in the people function, having a growth mindset, however uncomfortable it might be sometimes, is absolutely crucial.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. And something I wanted to get your thoughts on, uh, Lucille, was something about the metaverse. This is something we're, we're seeing a bit of a growth spurt in, I guess, with with um, companies tapping into that technology to sort of collaborate and, and use it for their workplace. And research has found that half of businesses are set to embrace the metaverse to improve their diversity. So do you think that can be achieved or is this something that you're starting to witness? What are your thoughts on that?
0: I think certainly that could have a, a lot of, uh, of positive impact. I think especially as, we embrace, as we're embracing a lot more of, um, of hybrid, hybrid workforce and having this opportunity to um, to work more flexibly could certainly be, be an asset, especially in terms of, of attraction and giving, giving employees more ownership um, and accountability for their time, how they work, where they work. I think we might want to be careful about anything related to technology and AI and to to make sure that they're not actually biased. Um, And right now there's a lot of AI technology um, that's currently biased just due to the way that it's been programmed. Um, So I think it could be a real asset providing that um, we're, we're sure that the processes are And the functionalities are fair, um, that they've been designed in in taking accessibility in mind for everyone. Um, And accessibility might mean different things for for different people, you know, not just physical disability, but also neurodiversity. So yes, I think it could be a really fantastic opportunities to, again, level up the the playing field, providing that there are considerations in terms of, of accessibility, in terms of Supporting people with caring responsibilities, for example, and and monitor, monitor con- consistently monitor and evaluate the, the impact, um, be it positive or, or negative.
1: Yeah, I agree with you there, because I think it's like with all these new technological advancements, it's like, how do you measure whether they're working and the positives of that? So it's an interesting one, I think, and I guess time will tell.
0: Yeah, but in in the meantime, um, I think this is definitely something to to be embraced if uh, if that makes sense for for the business. I think there's, um, I mean, being a, a DNO professional working in a people function, I do really value face to face interactions. I think in terms of building trust, in terms of creating relationship, face to face interactions are um, probably one of the best. But also, I've never had direct experience of the metaverse in the way that we've uh, we've been seeing now so maybe i'll change my minds and maybe if we speak again in a couple of years times i will have and um, be completely bought in into this idea. Yeah, exactly. You just don't know, do you? <laughs> yeah.
1: Fantastic. So I guess on that note, I know we've just been talking about boosting DNI in a sense. There, with technology, but what ways would you advise organisations to improve their DNI?
0: I would. Um, I would start by having an honest look at uh, at where you are, and to do so with with humility. Um, no one has all of the answers, and the the road to um, to equity is um is it long um so i would um i would really have an honest look about yeah the current state of the organization both from um, a data perspective and if you don't have um data of your organizations i think that's a really good um good way to start because without data you can't really measure the impact of any solutions or any programs that you put in place and if we're looking at DNA in the same way that we look at any other functions, we want to be able to demonstrate what works and what doesn't work. So uh, diversity data is um, is a really good place to start, but also, you know, when you see where you are now is doing a, an employee survey, how are people feeling? what are the perceptions? Um, because that might be that might be quite interesting as well. I would also look at where the organization is, and again, Doing it with humility and honesty on on its maturity journey. So, are you, is your organisation approaching DNI from a um, legal protection point of view? So, are you looking at DNI in the way to avoid being taken to court, for example, purely um, to to adhere to the Equality Act, or are you seeing the business case? Or is it fully embedded in all of the processes, not just the people processes, but the financial processes, the strategy and and I think you know this is a, this is a process this is a journey um, and the the best way the best way to to start or to continue is um is to be able to to have robust conversation and do that without feeling defensive and which can be difficult because um everyone's very proud of the work that they do and um and with DNA there's always progress to to be made um so yeah, and what what a good what a good culture a good culture of belonging, uh, culture of inclusion will look like ultimately will um, will depend on what the people want. And although I, I do think going back to that um, that feeling of psychological safety is is really key. But yeah, really understanding what the data tells you, which will help um, really put in place initiatives. That's um, that really respond to to the key challenges in your organisation.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I know you've listed quite a few different sort of methods there, I guess. But do you think that if for more change to happen potentially in the future, do you think it needs to come from the top, you know, leadership? Do they play a really key role in that?
0: Oh, absolutely. You know, that role modelling is, is essential in really advocating what behaviours are, are rewarded and, and encouraged. And, and I like to think of culture as um, the sum of the behaviours that are that are rewarded. And usually that comes from the top. Um, and it's especially relevant when you think about banter, which in some workplaces can be quite triggering and can lead to microaggressions or even bullying and harassment. And it absolutely needs to come from the top that um the type of culture that's um, that's expected the type of behaviors that are that will be expected um, but also not tolerated but I also think that and it's something that that we do at ITN um, throughout the the work of our networks um, is having that bottom-up approach so when I was building the building the social mobility strategy and um we reviewing the the existing DNA strategy for ATN really involving the networks, really asking them what's working? are we going into the right direction in an ideal world what would ATN look like in terms of people in terms of culture? Um, and then my role is to uh, once I've got that to devise that roadmap to to get everyone together. There, But I, I think it needs to come from, from the top, but really need to, needs to be informed by, by everyone at, at all levels.
1: Yeah, of course,
0: that makes perfect
1: sense. And something we came across in April was the Financial Conduct Authority shared that women should make up at least 40% of boards at British listed companies, and one director should be a person of colour. So, because I guess that's that leadership piece again. So I wanted to ask what your takeaway was on that.
0: So having, having targets is a, is a really good way to, to get things done. And I don't think, I mean, providing that it's done carefully, we avoid any um, accusation of, of tokenism. I don't think, well, first of all, positive discrimination is illegal under the law in, in the UK. But targets are absolutely essential, essential to really focus an organisation, to focus efforts. And, and we have financial targets, we have targets for all across um, different areas of business. So, so why not DNI? The, there have been several studies for the past couple of years that have proven, times and times again, that um, the more you have diversity at senior level, be it from ethnic backgrounds or gender or any protected characteristics under under the Equality Act, that the better the outcome. So, it absolutely makes sense to have that, and um, and also having. That visibility at the top, you know, you can't be what you can't see. So I, I think having targets is a really um, is a really good way to to make sure that there is accountability for that progress.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I like what you said there. You can't be what you can't see. So that's a that's a really, I guess, important motto or saying. You know, whatever you want to call it, to to concentrate on to make DNI a little bit more important and and to to push it forward within the business, I suppose.
0: Yeah, and, um, and and again it, it's about reframing um what DNI is and what the pe- people function is and you know going back to again to um to your questions about any any advice on on how organization can can improve that, the DNI is to is to see it as a as a strategic priority just as any other parts of the business is and, and treat it as such with um with targets that are measurable and there is accountability um, and consequences if if those targets um, are missed.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We're going to just get Lucille's thoughts on benefits packages that are diverse. So, Lucille, I wanted to ask you or get your thoughts on, should I say, that some businesses have introduced things like flexible bank holidays to ensure their benefits packages are as diverse as possible. So with that in mind is there anything that ITN offers or are thinking of offering um I guess to tap into that
0: Yeah and um, and again something that I really like at ITN is how closely I work with our rewards um rewards team to to make sure that we constantly review and think about our benefits accessible and suitable for for everyone and I think swapping bank holidays is, is um is definitely the the way forward it's not something that we do quite yet but something that we offer, with, which I think is is really great, is something that's called flexi leave, um, and it's basically the opportunity to take a month off, up to a month off during the year, but having your salary uh, divided into in, into twelve months, so you would be unpaid, but you wouldn't be without a salary for for that month that, that you take off, but you wouldn't be without um, any income for for that. Um, and I think that's an amazing way for uh, for people to do whatever they they want to be. And um, it was initially introduced to to support families, uh, but now, which I think is fantastic, it's grown to more and more people that are using it. Be, be it to um, to travel, be it to write books, uh, to work on um, estate businesses, or to work on their sports careers. Um, and and I think that's uh, that's a great way to. To get employees to um, again do something that they that they love, uh, and not be financially penalised for that, or, or really support them in plan financially planning for for that time off.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I guess on that note, do you think it's important for employers to gain feedback from staff to ensure they are offering what they need in terms of diversity and and, and what's possible, I guess, to offer.
0: Yeah, I, I think it's absolutely crucial. Um, and it's, um, it's something that that we do uh, without with our employee networks, uh, we regularly meet with them to ask them whether there are any benefits that we're not offering, that could be suitable. And we know that over the past, well, the past decade, but especially the past three years, we've gone through an enormous amount of change and, and people's people's needs have changed.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And do you think that Employers have acknowledged that DNI could be a vulnerability, and if so, do you think they should be?
0: The lack of dNI definitely is a threat uh, or a vulnerability and I think we're going to see increasingly companies that that aren't embracing a diverse workforce who aren't creating a cultural environment definitely being more vulnerable um I think you know something that's been discussed in the people community especially over the past couple of years has been the need to be more vulnerable, especially as leaders. Uh, And I think that that can actually be a strength. Um, But again, if you want your employees to be vulnerable and be open about perhaps their struggle, which is ultimately the only way you'll be able to support them, you need to first and foremost create that um, that culture of trust, that culture of psychological safety, what people feel that they won't be penalized or punished if they um, if they talk about their struggles or any additional needs that they might need or, or reasonable adjustment. So yes, I think a lack of a lack of DNI, a lack of appreciation can be a vulnerability, and we will leave um, a lot of organisations behind if they're not embracing it and and taking it seriously and um, and embedding it as part of as part of their organization's wider strategy.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I know you mentioned like being penalised there and there's sort of like a term that we've come across called motherhood penalties. So that kind of refers to staff returning to the workforce. So for example, employees returning from maternity leave. So I just wanted to ask you what could employers put in place to reduce the motherhood penalty? So maybe that if they've fallen behind at work because they've been off for eight months or whatever it might be uh, and they're playing catch-up, when they return like how, how can that be fixed or what's the solution to that
0: yeah I, I think it's um it's really interesting because in terms of that motherhood penalty it's um it's both in terms of um practicality you know taking time off of work but also in terms of all of the unconscious bias uh that's associated with with parental responsibilities and and especially for for mothers so um to 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 prevent that i think we we really need to encourage more fathers to take um parental leave and shared parental leave which um surprisingly is is only taken up taken up for between 5 and and 8% of all fathers in the uk um which i think is just a very low number um and the more fathers are encouraged to take that leave um the more it normalizes behaviours that um as a new parent you mu- you want to spend that time with um, with your children. And that again, you know, comes back from what's the culture and, and how the leaders are are encouraging or role-modeling, role-modeling taking parental leave. So ITV News editor Andrew Dagnall is actually taking shared parental leave to, to spend time with his child. And, and I think that's, that's absolutely wonderful that someone who's so senior really is role-modeling the fact that you can, as a man, take parental leave and your career won't be impacted so equalizing the fact that normalizing the fact that parents you know regardless of, of the family that they made up whether it's two fathers two mothers single parents so yeah I think you know recognizing that there's more more than one type of parental leave educating managers and team members reminding people of all of the unconscious biases that might come to to that but the the penalty i think is um is also due to potentially the the lack of um, support in, in early education and um and childcare as well and how expensive financially it is but i think that's perhaps part of a part of a wider conversation yeah absolutely like
1: as like you say it's it's such a big cost so it can affect affect everyone in so many different ways but on that note that you mentioned paternity leave Lucille I wanted to ask do you think that increasing the offering of paternity leave do you think that could help reduce the gender pay gap I guess because I don't know maybe, maybe that would like like you said level out the playing field a little bit I'm, I'm not sure what are your thoughts I know it's quite a complex subject but just like top line sort of thinkings on that
0: um so so there are many many ways to to reduce the the gender pay gap and I think the more well the 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 best one is to really increase the number of, of women or equalise the numbers of women in the, not only at the top but in the house-earning salaries. But if you have a, a workforce that's predominantly uh, men at the lower end, you might find that your gender pay gap is actually, is actually not so big but just because you have so many men uh, at the lower end of, of the salary range. So the gender pay gap is... Not the best measure, I think, to, um, to to measure true equality. But what he has done, uh, which has been really fantastic, is put diversity and inclusion and front front and center of of organizations and um, and really force organisations to think about solutions to to reduce the gender pay gap. But yeah, I think increasing paternity leave encouraging more men um, to take leave would be could be could be a solution. Uh, but ultimately, uh, for the gender and in fact, any other pay gap, be it ethnicity, LGBTQ+, disability, pay gaps, um, the best way to to reduce it is to make sure that um, there is a, a proportional representation at all level, and especially in the house owners um, of, of an organisation.
1: Most definitely, most definitely, it needs to be addressed in that manner. And um where would you like to see ITN's DNI strategy in the next five years? What what are your plans at the business?
0: So we've got very exciting plans for ITN in the in the next five years. I would love to see everyone really embracing diversity and inclusion, I think, with with diversity and inclusion professionals in an ideal world would be working ourselves out of a job because it'd be so well embedded that you don't need anyone leading it. Um, but I don't think anyone in any organisation is, is quite there yet. Um, but we're really focusing, I think we'll be continuing our efforts on equality of opportunities, making sure that uh, we continue to educate our people on anti-racism, on gender equality. We're doing a lot of focus, we're focusing quite a lot at the moment on social background and the outreach that we do with schools, especially in the UK, social mobility court spots. Really changing the perception of who journalists are, what is what it is to work in the media, really, really raising awareness of ITN Productions, um, which produce great documentaries, great series, great series as well. And I think that would be um, really fantastic because social social background is not currently one of the nine protected characteristics under the Equality Law. Um, but that's something that more and more organisations are, are talking about. Another aspect of what we'll be working on will be disability, which, again, feels like something that organisation can be quite reluctant generally or might be quite scared to, to approach and that's really something that we determined to, um, to tackle. We really want to make ITN a disability-confident workplace. Um, we want any of our disabled employees to have the best experience at ITN, to have all of their regional adjustments um, provided or their needs met um, so that they can thrive and grow in their, career, in their careers at ITN, raising awareness on neurodiversity as well. And I think that this is really something um, that we're going to hear a lot more in the um, in the next couple of months and year, because a lot of currently 19 to 20% of the UK population has a disability, but bearing in mind that quite a few disability are acquired throughout someone's lifetime, um, we might see this number grow over the next couple of years. And as the the conversation widens, especially around neurodiversity. I think um, we'll find that a lot more people are more open about their them being neurodiverse and uh, and really broaden up that conversation. Everyone understanding the the spectrum and the richness that um, all of that diversity brings. So yeah, so very some um, some exciting plans.
1: Yeah, I was going to say it sounds like you've got lots going on and lots to prepare for, which is really really exciting. And and DNA is forefront and center of that, so that's fantastic.
0: Yeah, thank you. We'll be we make sure that we share share our progress and share our learnings. And and I think the DNA community, as part of the people community, is um, is really supportive. And there's a lot of of knowledge sharing that is taking place, and I think that that makes. That creates a, a supportive environment, even if you're like me, the only person working on DNI in your in your organization.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I was going to say, Lisa, you've got people to lean on, which which makes everything a little bit easier. So, Lucille, one thing we like to end the podcast on is just to get your thoughts on, I guess, whether you had a career change. So, for example, what you'd be doing if you weren't in the people profession.
0: So I, I really enjoy spending time in nature and, and hiking and um and horse riding. So I think I'd probably be um a guide in the mountains or leading groups of people and making sure that they um they enjoy and they learn what um what nature's has has to offer and um and I think it's it's really amazing for mental health as well, spending time outdoors spending time reflecting and quieting the mind from um everyone's busy lifestyles
1: yeah most definitely and I could imagine the views would be spectacular so I mean like you said for mental health purposes it would it would be blissful so I could imagine that would be lovely so that is a all we've got time for lucy i just want to say thank you for joining me on this latest episode it's been a pleasure having you here
0: thank you jade great conversation absolutely
1: but remember we'll be back with another friends in benefits very soon but in the meantime you can listen to some of the past episodes featuring brands such as total fitness audi uk and virgin money online but thank you for listening everyone